Well, good afternoon. I'm Pastor Dave, Redeemer Church. Happy New Year. It is exciting. We should clap. We should praise God. 2022 is over and 2023 has arrived. Now, raise your hand if you're glad 2020, 2021, and 2022 are over and 2023 is here. I'm glad. I am thankful. Just just to remind each other, why don't you turn to the person sitting next to you? Now, this is not too weird. And just say, it's 2023. Go ahead, do that right now. That's not too weird. It's 2023. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Enough fun for now. It is 2023, January 1st, and God has carried us through another year. So let's praise God for that. And we should praise God. It is no small thing for God to carry us through another year. I wonder how you're feeling today. There might be a a variety of emotions that you're feeling today. Maybe you're excited, uh, perhaps sleepy after watching fireworks, but we gave you time to sleep in today, didn't we? But what I mean to ask is, are you feeling fatigued after these past three years? 2020, 2021, 2022, personally, I'm exhausted. I'm also, to use uh, biblical language, both sorrowful in some ways and rejoicing in other ways. How are you feeling about the past three years or so? Maybe for you it's relief. Ah, 2023. It's a renewed hope. This year can't be as bad as last year or the year before. For others, it's goal-setting time. You love this. Your resolutions are done. Goals are set, and you're ready to blast off. You've joined the gym. It's true. Half of us after the service are going to run on a treadmill or lift weights or uh, take a walk, and we're going to feel really good about ourselves. That's a fact. You're going to exercise today, but then tomorrow, half of us are going to take a break. And by the end of next week, we're all going to take a break until next January 1st. That's the truth, isn't it? New Year's resolutions are often just that, something to commit to do on January 1st of every year. Do something for a day and then take a break for 364 days. And then we resolve to do it again and again. We're quite a productive people on January 1st, aren't we? Redeemer kids, I'm glad to see you today. You'll be back upstairs uh, next Sunday, but I'm so glad that we have all of you here today. I'm going to be speaking to you. Now, do you know the game Hide and Seek? Yes, okay. Everybody know that game? You know Hide and Seek? Well, in that game, most everybody, but one person goes and they hide, right? And there's one person who stays back. Maybe they look into a corner and they count. Maybe it's to 10, maybe it's to to 20, and then they say, ready or not, here I come. We all know this game, ready or not, here I come. Well, friends, ready or not, 2023 has come, and that's what I want to talk about here today. Next week, we'll be back in Romans, and I'll be back as we look at uh, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, and then we'll finish off chapter 1 the next Week. But before we get there, uh, today a topical sermon on being ready. 
will mostly be in Paul's letter, his second letter to the Corinthian church, though it's not an overview of the book. I'm not going to give us a background of the book. I'm not teaching through the whole book. You might instead imagine before us a buffet, a buffet uh, of all the great truths of 2 Corinthians, and I'm choosing to put some of those truths on our plates this afternoon. In the sermon, you'll be reminded about how much I love alliteration. I also believe I'm breaking a Guinness Book of Redeemer world records today. Now, not in length of the sermon. Uh, That's safe for Dr. Adam Brown's 79-minute, 14-second sermon on Genesis 24 last year. But who's counting anyway? But I do believe my 20 points today is a record. 20 ways to be ready for 2023, and I appreciate that excitement from the front row. I hear you. 20 ways. I think 20 points is a Redeemer record. I thought about 23 points, but then I thought, well, that would be silly. That would be way too many points for one sermon, so we're down to 20. How can we as Redeemer Church of Dubai be ready for 2023? Well, this is important. We prepare for so many other things in life. Why should we not prepare for a new year? I'm reminded of all the passionate fans during the World Cup. I mentioned the World Cup final uh, on, the, on Christmas Eve. Well, during the World Cup, one team caught my eye, uh, Wales. Uh, they hadn't been to the World Cup in around 60 years, but they were ready. They're known as the Red Wall when they come to their games. It's because when you go into the stadium, you see uh, a sea of red jerseys that look like a big red wall. Everyone wears the exact same red jersey. Everyone wears the exact same red, yellow, and green cap. Everyone sings the same songs and chants, and they're all together singing and, and chanting and praising their team. Well, church, if fans can be prepared for a 90-minute football match, shouldn't we prepare for the next 365 days? So, okay, here we go. Off to the races. Kids, tweens, and youth, be ready. This is for you, too. See if you can write down all 20 of these. If you do, come and see me. I'd love uh, to see that and wish you a happy new year. Number one, be ready for spiritual growth. Be ready for spiritual growth. My number one prayer, I'm just going to say it right up in the front. It's my number one prayer always for you, but it's still my number one prayer for 2023 is that you'd love Jesus more on December 31st, 2023 than you do today. That's it. I could end my sermon right now, but then I'd be risked at breaking the, the Redeemer world record for shortest sermon if I did that. So let's not do that today. But I put this as number one in my sermon for a reason. Number one and number 20 are specifically placed in those places in my sermon. The rest of them are not in any particular order. But I have this as number one because out of all my prayers for you, church, this is my number one prayer. It is that you would grow spiritually, that you would know and love Jesus more at the end of the year than you do today. Now from our passage last week, 2 Corinthians 5, for the love of Christ controls us. This is what I yearn for our church, that the love of Christ would control each and every one of us because we have concluded this, that one, meaning Jesus has died for all, 
Therefore all have died. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. So because the love of Christ controls us, because we've been saved by him, because we've been given his spirit, since we have those promises, Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. A Redeemer Church, would our congregation be marked by sanctification? This is the, the growing in our love for Christ. It's the process of looking more like Christ. It's being controlled by his love. Now, how can we do this? Well, in a sense, the rest of the sermon is practical application of this very first point. In a sense, the next 19 points are application of this first point, but I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't stop and make a case for this year being the year that you study God's Word more than you ever have before. As we think about this number one point, as we think about this prayer of mine for you, that you would love Christ more on that day than you do today, then we should consider how to do that, primarily that being a prayerful study of the Word of God. If you've never read the whole Bible all the way through, perhaps this is the year for you to do so. There are many Bible reading plans. I like this one that you'll see up on the screen. Uh, you won't be able to see it too well. I'm not expecting you to, but this is the one I use, and I started using this one. It just has the different genres all down different columns, and it breaks down Sunday through Saturday. But what I do is I just use it kind of like a menu, and when I, whatever book I feel like studying in that week or that month, I'll just start. And I, so far, I've, I've started a little early, and I've gone through many of Paul's epistles. I'm going through Ecclesiastes right now in my devotional time, and I just mark those off. But what that does is it gives me the freedom to choose, but then I know that by, by the end of the year, I've read the whole Bible. Or you can read it in just a few months, or you can read it over a couple years. There are many different reading plans. There are some that give you the exact reading for that day. Here you could take Sunday on through Saturday and just do week one all the way down through week 52. You could follow it that way, or you could do it the way I do it. Either way, I hope that uh, could be helpful to you. We have copies of that uh, plan on the connections table. Something else you could do is just study the Bible with a friend. Find someone to, to read with, just to open up the, the Bible with and just read and pray and talk about it. You could join one of our four Redeemer equipping classes. Now we have these starting next week at 8.45 a.m. Four of them, you can sign up online and we're keeping them smaller so we can have great interaction. But please, I would love the rooms to be as full as they can be uh, as we learn together. You want to read the scripture slowly when you read. Don't just check off a box. That's the danger of introducing a Bible reading plan is we can just check off a box and then check off a box the next day and the next day and the next day. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to read slow and we want God's word to pour over our hearts. We want to meditate on God's word, allowing God's word to convict and to change us, to, to meditate on it, not in the Eastern sense of trying to empty our minds, uh, but instead to fill our minds with the Word of God. We want to memorize God's Word. Maybe pick a few Psalms uh, this year. Maybe memorize some key verses from Romans. Maybe looking at Romans 8 or a Romans chapter 12 might be a good place to start. Philippians 
the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe those would be profitable to you. Redeemer Church, be ready for spiritual growth. Number two, be ready for supplication. Now, supplication means prayer. It means to humbly ask God to work in our lives and to work in our world. God joyfully planned from the very beginning that he would move through the prayers of his people. Now, friends, church, this is earth-shattering. God is in control on the one hand, but we are to pray, and he's ordained us to pray. In chapter 1 of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, He, meaning God, delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that, here's why, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Here's Paul's prayer request to the Corinthians. Pray. Paul's saying, Corinthians, I know you're not with me physically. I know you're not with me on this mission trip in this very moment. But here's what you can do. And here's what you must do is pray for me. I need your help by prayer. We want to see God move. We need the prayers of many. Paul understood what the whole Bible understands is that God moves through our prayers. They are not in vain. Let us not underestimate the power of prayer in 2023. Well, here are three simple initiatives you could do this year. One, when someone shares a prayer need, stop right then and pray for them. Even in person, after service, on the phone, after a coffee, at lunch, you hear a request, pray. You get a text message, a ministry newsletter in your inbox, stop and pray. Number two, have a prayer list. Note card, notebook, an app on your phone or computer, a spreadsheet, a handwritten note in your Bible. The means is not most important, but that you have some system of organizing your prayer requests that enable faithful prayer. And three, members use our church's membership directory either an online PDF version or a physical version. We have copies at the connections table. Take a page or two each day and pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who are committed to this congregation. We need each other's prayers just like Paul needed the Corinthians' prayers. Redeemer Church, be ready for supplication. Number three, be ready for sin. Perhaps another way to say it is be ready for our response to sin. And I'm specifically thinking here about our own sin. See, Paul is worried he's going to arrive in Corinth and he's going to see the Corinthians living in sin. Hear what he says in chapter 12. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I might find you not as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. Oh, church, let us not be surprised when we face temptations in 2023. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking 
someone to devour. Redeemer Church, let it not be us. Church, let it not be you. If you're currently in sin, repent. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another hour. Acknowledge your sin before a holy God and commit to change. You know what happens when you repent? When you mourn with a godly sorrow and are not just grieving a worldly loss. God, what he does in your repentance is he pours out his grace. He pours out his grace to sinners who recognize that they deserve nothing from God. Because of Jesus' death, you and I have an invitation, an ongoing invitation to come to him for forgiveness for any sin, and he will forgive us. Redeemer Church, be ready for our own sin. Know how you're tempted. Run from those temptations. Run from those situations. Tell a friend how you're tempted. Have accountability. And you, if you find yourself sinning, repent, change, and enjoy God's overflowing grace. Well, number four, be ready for service. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, Paul writes, and I love this verse. Paul says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. The actual wording is, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Paul is glad to serve for the Corinthian souls. He's glad to serve for their good and for their benefit. And I love how we have so many servants here at Redeemer Church. Did you know that on a normal Sunday, when all of our ministries are running, Redeemer Kids and Tweens and everything else, we have over 70 plus volunteers from our membership serving every single week. And that rotates and that changes, but every single week we have over 70. Now that's astonishing. Those serving our tweens at 9 a.m. and our Redeemer Kids during the service, equipping class teachers and helpers, the connections and logistics setup team, sound, video, the music team, scripture readers, service leaders, preachers, laptop operators, bookstall volunteers, and many more who selflessly serve here on Sunday so we can worship. And there are many more who are on the unofficial connections team, those engaging in intentional conversations around the room, those praying for one another, those who have brought non-believers with them, those who've invited friends and are sitting with them, those who are driving, giving rides so that others can attend our gatherings. And not just formally on Sunday do we serve. Redeemer Youth Volunteers gather every Friday night to pour into the teenagers of this church. Others are meeting with uni students. There are elders and deacons serving in a number of ways. Community group leaders and hosts opening up their lives and homes for the ministry of the word every week. We have many meeting for discipleship, small groups of men or small groups of women or men and women one-on-one, -on -one. men with men, women with women, just opening the Bible faithfully, never to be seen, but by God. There are Gulf Theological Seminary professors studying hard and preparing lectures to feed the souls of their students. There are many serving. Redeemer Church, how are you going to serve in 2023? Well, number five, be ready for sitting. Well, it's good in a way. You are all sitting right now. I'm the only one not. That might sound like an odd point after just exhorting you to serve. Now I'm exhorting you to sit. I do want you to serve, but there are times 
that I want you to sit. Jesus is our example. Jesus worked really, really hard. Jesus spent himself for the souls of others. He worked hard. He preached to the multitudes. He healed the sick. He had a busy and vibrant ministry. But listen to what else Jesus did. Hearing John the Baptist's suffering led him to a, a boat alone. Early mornings, praying in the dark. Nights with ministry unfinished, hiking up a mountain. Luke 5, Jesus withdrew to solitude. Luke 6, he spent the entire night praying. John 4, tired journeying through Samaria, he sat down by a well. One time, Jesus was too busy to eat. Eventually, he said to his disciples, hey, let's, let's go. Let's find a quiet place so we can go get some rest. I could go on and on. Redeemer Church, serve hard, give of yourself, spend yourself for the souls of others here in this church. But then sit back as well and enjoy God and his gift. If Jesus needed rest, so do we. We weren't created to be superheroes. Now kids, let me tell you a secret let me tell you a secret, children. Uh, what we see in Superman and Batman and Spider-Man, Ant-Man, Iron Man, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batwoman, Catwoman, that's not real. That's not real. Sorry to burst your bubble, kids. Those superheroes are not real. There are no superheroes. Jesus needed rest, and so do we. Rest reminds us of several things. Rest reminds us that God doesn't need us. The rest is humbling. Could our overworking be pride? Could our overministering be pride? Could our overstudying be pride? Could our overserving be pride? Not bad things, but overdone. Could it be revealing a pride in our hearts? Jesus didn't get everything done. Think about this. According to our earthly way of thinking, Jesus never finished his to-do list. Have you thought about that? You may be overwhelmed with your to-do list. You may feel like you never get to inbox zero or to-do list zero. But friend, you're in good company. Maybe you were never meant to get to to-do list zero. Maybe one of the roles of our to-do list is to show us that we can't actually complete our to-do list. We don't have that kind of power. Pastor Kevin DeYoung says that along with all the other major creeds, like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, we should also confess John the Baptist's creed when he says, I am not the Christ. Well, if the Christ even needed rest, we need it that much more. Redeemer Church, we are not the Christ. Number six, be ready to support the hurting. Our church, would we be a church that loves those Suffering loves those in pain, moves forward towards those in pain. Second Corinthians 1, Paul says, God comforts us in our afflictions so that, there's a reason, God comforts us so that we can then go and comfort others in the afflictions and pain that they are facing and suffering. Are there hurting people in your life? Run to the lonely. Invite the hurting into your home. Counsel the one in despair. Give to the one in need. 
Church, look out for the hurting. So seven, be ready for the school semester. Kids, tweens, teens, uni students, be ready for school. Semester starts again soon. Some of you are in the middle of the semester and had a short break. I know some of you are homeschooled. There are different school environments represented here. But be ready to stand up for what's right at school. Kids, youth, be ready to sit next to the new kid in the cafeteria. Be ready to study hard and refrain from cheating, even if other students are. Even if there's peer pressure put on you. Be ready to keep all filthy language and swear words out of your mouth. And be ready to talk about Jesus instead. Be ready to honor your teachers and coaches. Be ready to assist classmates who need help. Be ready to invite others to youth or to tweens or even to church here in Redeemer Kids. If you're homeschooled, be a light at home. Be a light at home. Be kind to your siblings. If you have them, help them. Work hard. Don't cheat. Don't cut corners. Be thankful to your parents and others who help you with your schooling. Honor those in authority. If you're a Gulf Theological Seminary student, honor God with the privilege that he's granted you to learn, to learn the Bible, to learn theology, to learn church history, to learn preaching in Greek and Hebrew and leadership and women's ministry and on and on. Right here on the Arabian Peninsula. Take advantage of that. Don't waste this season. Study and prayerfully learn and prepare for the ministry. Redeemer Church, be ready for the school semester. Number eight, be ready to show honor. The Bible actually tells us not just to show honor, but to outdo one another in showing honor to one another. Can you imagine what the church would look like and what kind of community this would look like if we are constantly trying to outdo one another in showing honor? How can we do this? Well, by a few ways, encouraging words, surprising service, hospitality, gift-giving, kindness, thankfulness, acknowledgement, whatever it may be. Let's surprise each other by showing excessive honor to one another in a way that glorifies God. Number nine, be ready for strife. Now, this isn't a particularly encouraging point, but we must be ready toward the end of 2 Corinthians. These are Paul's words. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. If Paul commands the Corinthians to aim for restoration, if he commands them to agree with one another, to live in peace, peace with one another, what does this imply? Well, it must have been a struggle. We know it was a struggle in Corinth, but not just in Corinth. It's always a struggle wherever God's people have gathered as churches throughout all times, all places, all people groups. If Paul commands the Corinthians to stand for restoration and to agree with one another, this must be a struggle. Now, here's a startling statistic. I've, I've heard this a number of times. I can't give you a source, but I've heard it over and over again that the number one reason missionaries leave the mission field is because of other missionaries. It isn't lack of money. It isn't culture shock. It isn't the challenge of ministry, but it's other Christians serving alongside them. Now, I don't have these numbers verified at all, 
But I wonder if the number one reason pastors leave churches is because of other pastors and church members. I wonder if the number one reason church members leave churches is because of pastors and other church members. Well, this is terribly sad. A Redeemer Church, how are we going to respond in the midst of strife between Christians? There has been strife in the church. There will be strife again. No matter how encouraged we are on this day, January 1st, 2023, conflict has come and conflict will come again. How can we be ready? What the heart of conflict and pain must be forgiveness. Paul writes in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, verses 5 through 11, Now if anyone has caused pain... He has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. And we could preach a whole sermon on this verse, and I'm not even going to comment on these verses, except to say, what's Paul's answer to strife? And what's Paul's answer to Satan's devices? What's Paul's answer to Satan's schemes? Well, one of the answers is forgiveness. It's not to gossip. It's not to slander or even to listen to it. So just take stock of your own life for just, just a moment and consider this. If you're hearing so much about other people, perhaps you're lending an ear to gossip and slander when you should be putting in some spiritual earplugs and be walking away. Now, I enjoyed our visits to a number of churches last summer. At one church, they had a number of values listed on the wall. And the very first value they had was to assume the best of one another, to assume the best. Imagine how much strife would stop if we simply assumed the best of one another, to stop making assumptions and to be a forgiving people. Redeemer Church, when strife stands knocking at the front door of our church, let's be ready to resist and forgive. Number 10, be ready for steadfast faithfulness. Do the next thing. Sunday comes, show up. Don't sleep in. Worship with others. That's the next best thing you can do every Sunday morning. It's community group night and you're tired. Well, of course you're tired. Everyone's tired. Show up anyway. It's morning time. It's the snooze button or it's Bible time. Choose the Bible. Choose God. Turn off that alarm. Faithfulness to God doesn't come in one or two big decisions in your life. It really comes in a million decisions that happen over a lifetime. The seemingly small decisions that add up to your life. A Redeemer Church, be ready for steadfast faithfulness. Number 11, be ready for sweet fellowship. Come here on Sundays expectant for fellowship. Reach out to someone you don't know. Join a community group. Imagine the compelling community we'd be if each and every one of us took that initiative rather than waited for someone to initiate with us. 
Number 12, be ready for simplicity. Church, God uses ordinary means to change lives. Bible reading, prayer, corporate worship, meeting with other Christians, sharing the gospel with non-believers, and then hitting the repeat button and doing it again. Bible reading and prayer and corporate worship and meeting with Christians for fellowship and telling non-believers about Jesus. There's certainly more than that, but essentially that's the Christian life. And we repeat it over and over and over again. God uses these ordinary means of grace to change and transform our hearts. The Christian life isn't complicated. Now, it isn't easy. Not easy. I didn't say that. It's not complicated. It means to follow Christ. That's what Warren shared in our first Sunday prayer gathering from Matthew chapter 9. Follow me. Christian life is not complicated. It means to follow Jesus. It's not easy. It's not complicated. It's doing those Christian activities faithfully over the course of your entire life, one at a time. Number 13, be ready for sacrificial giving. I was encouraged by Dave's words just a few minutes ago. Well, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 is perhaps the most full teaching on financial giving in the New Testament scriptures. The beginning of chapter 8 is a radical text. Paul writes about the generosity of the Macedonian churches. They were poor. They were impoverished. They were facing affliction, struggling. And yet, listen to this. They begged. Now, this is the crazy part. The Macedonian churches, those in poverty, they begged for what? They begged for the privilege of giving. Now, if anyone had an excuse and said, God, we've got nothing to give. No, they, they begged. Think about it. It's the opposite of what we see in many places around the world where people beg for money. Have you ever seen someone on a street corner holding up a sign begging to give money away? You know, on their sign saying, free money, free money, come on up to me, everyone and anyone, and get a free 1,000 Durham. Now, kids, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't you get in line for that? A free 1,000 Durhams? That's a lot of Pokemon cards and ice cream and whatever else you want. But we never see those kinds of signs. No one ever stands on the street corner begging to give money away. Our Redeemer Church, would we be generous like the Macedonians, giving with cheerful hearts? Do you have a plan for your giving in 2023? The New Testament doesn't mandate a certain percentage to give. In the Old Testament, there were various offerings. One was 10%, and that was given to the priest's ministry. But there was actually a lot more that they gave. Really, three different offerings, two that happen every year, a third that happened every third year. At least 23 and a third percent was given to different offerings. But 10%, as the amount given to the priest's work, seems like a good place for us to start. It'd be hard to imagine on this side of the cross giving less as we've seen God pour out his lavish grace upon us, we are to respond with generosity. When we think about that offering, the Bible primarily has in mind giving to your local church's ministry, though perhaps some room for other ministries as well. But what it doesn't have in mind is giving to our parents or taking care of family or sending funds friends in need 
or giving to a different church somewhere else. Now, those may be an important part of your budget, but friends, if the UAE is your home, and if this church is your church while you're here, then this church is your home church, and we encourage you to give generously here. Another good practice is to start at 10% if you haven't been given, and then to slowly increase your giving over Time. It stretches your faith and provides for God's work. Kids, tweens, and youth, keep talking to you. I'm going to keep doing it. Even on this point, you might not have a steady income. But what does giving look like for you? I want you to think about that. Families, talk about giving together. Make a plan for 2023 and follow through. Redeemer Church, be ready for sacrificial giving. Number 14, be ready for the supernatural. Be ready for the supernatural. Be ready for miracles. Did you know God still does miracles today? He does. Now, he doesn't normally work in the same way he did in the first century. The elders don't have some apostolic authority or some healing ministry, but God does miracles even today. Church, do you pray impossible prayers? At our Christmas party, Pastor Scott challenged our entire staff team and spouses to ask God to answer impossible prayer requests in 2023. He gave us a few moments, just of silence right there at our Christmas party, to think about what would, according to our thinking, feel impossible for God to answer. I immediately thought of a few people I'd love to see saved. I also thought of a couple people I'd love to be reconciled with. It seems impossible. But friends, let me leave that same challenge to you this afternoon. That same challenge from Pastor Scott, I pass on to you. What are one or two matters in your life that you think would be absolutely impossible for God to do this year? And start praying. Church, let's pray impossible prayers. God can do it. God is all-powerful. God is almighty. He can do it. We don't necessarily need to share those requests with one another. You can, but how about this? In, in, how about this? This is January 1st, 2023. How about on Sunday, December 31st, 2023? We're going to gather on the last day of this year, just as we're gathering now on the first day of the year. Let's share with each other on that day what God did through our prayers. Now, of course, all our prayers aren't going to be answered in the exact same way we pray. We know God's not some kind of uh, vending machine. We press the buttons. He's, he's not some magic worker where we just pray a prayer and we get health, wealth, and prosperity. We don't espouse that false gospel here at Redeemer, but we know God does faithfully answer the prayers of his people. So I expect that many of us will pray impossible prayers right now, starting on January 1st, and pray throughout the year, and I am convinced that God will answer some of them. Maybe even many of them, maybe even in surprising ways, maybe even beyond what we ask or understand. He's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he is good, and he is loving. So that's my challenge, whether you're five years old, whether you're 85 years old, pray impossible prayers, and let's rejoice together on December 31st with how God answers. Number 15, be ready for surprise. I alluded to that in my last point. Be ready for surprise. Simply put, God is sovereign and we're not. When we started Redeemer, we had no idea how it would go. 
challenging times, but also heartening surprises. Even last year, several teenagers believing in Christ. Afghans coming to faith. That was a surprise. Meeting here at the Crown Plaza on Sheikh Zayed Road in one gathering. That was a surprise to us. Pastor Daniel Mwandu, who's actually now officially on a one-year sabbatical from being a lay elder after serving for six years at Redeemer, you take a one-year sabbatical or break. He said something helpful a couple of weeks ago. He said, we must leave room for God to interrupt our plans. So it's great January 1st to think about plans and to think about vision and to start praying impossible prayers. But let me balance that with what Pastor Daniel has said in that we need to leave room and we need to be ready for the surprises that God brings our way. Those are wise words from a wise man. God's ways are not our ways and they're full of surprises. Church, let's be ready. Number 16, be ready for sorrow. I won't linger here. We've addressed it a little bit, but be ready for sadness. For some of us, it'll come and go. Some of us will face a deep sadness this year. We may be up at times. We may be down at times. But when you're struggling with sorrow, three things. Keep grounded in God's word. Stay in God's community and remember God's promises. Be grounded in God's word. We prepare for that today. We prepare for days of sorrow today by staying grounded in God's word being in God's community and remembering God's promises. It's okay to be sad, but look to God to be your comfort. Number 17, be ready to share the gospel. Now, this is not out of 2 Corinthians, but 1 Peter 3 says, But in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Church as Christ's ambassadors. We share the gospel, which Romans 1.16 tells us is not a power, but is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes, the Jew to the Greek. That means anyone, anywhere can believe. And so we share the gospel. We're not impartial. We share with anyone and everyone. Now, while enjoying different spiritual gifts, all of us are called to the great commission. The final words of the Gospel of Matthew. It's why we end our worship gatherings by saying to all, go and make disciples of all nations. Because we gather here on Sunday only to scatter the rest of the week. We gather and then we scatter and live as the church in Ajman, in Sharjah, and in Dubai. Number 18, be ready for salvation. Be ready for salvation. For those of you who don't yet know Jesus, maybe a coworker invited you today. I mean, it's January 1st. Maybe you came because it's the first day of the year and you thought it was the right thing to do. Your parents, they, they drove you here like they normally do. You had to come. Friend, as Sunil started our gathering this afternoon, friend, you are not here by accident. You're not here by random chance. It's not bad luck or good luck. There, there is no luck. God brought you here on January 1st, 2023 to hear this message. You need to be saved. You need to be saved. And I say that with all the love in my heart. You need to be ready for eternity. That's number one on your list this year. 
What do you need to be saved from? Well, you need to be saved from your sin. Not just one sin, but a whole lot of sin. And your very nature, all of our very natures are, are sinful. We're born into sin. Every one of us has rejected God. The first two humans, Adam and Eve, they turned and they sinned and they brought death into the world. Adam and Eve rejected God in a garden. You and I have rejected God in a city, different places, but same sin. All of us have readily rebelled against God. Instead of living in relationship with him, we've wanted to be the supreme authority in our lives. The judgment and penalty for that is death. There's nothing a sinful human can do to get into the presence of a holy and perfect God. Unless there is a penalty that fits the crime. Every other religion says, maybe, perchance, perchance you can do it if you do enough Exceptional works in life, cross your fingers and hope you'll get a passing grade. Then judgment day comes and the good, the bad, and the ugly from your life is there before God. There's scales that are set and if your good works outweigh your bad works, then, then maybe, maybe you could be saved. Maybe if the scales are tipped in that right direction, but you can't be sure. No, friends, the Bible is sure. The Bible is clear. Our God is ever so clear. He says it's impossible to ever do good enough. You can never tip the scales. The debt could never be paid except by God himself. And that was the message of Christmas we celebrated last week. Then Emmanuel, God, who is with us, came to us, born as a human, lived perfectly, died in our place, and rose from the dead. Have you considered that every great movie and book, maybe not every single one of them, but basically every single one of them, the story is the same. You have a hero who dies for the sake of others. Well, this is the message of Christianity. You can't make up a better message because we could never make up this message in the first place. It's the only truth, the only religion that tells us that's not a religion at all. It's a relationship. It's that God has come to us, lived and died and rose from the dead. For believers, Christ imputes or applies his righteousness to us if, and this is how we become Christians, if we acknowledge our sin by repenting and believing in Jesus to save us. So friend, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you a follower of Christ? Don't wait until December 31st, the last day of the year, to decide. Do it today. Answer that question now. Place your faith in Christ today. And you too can be saved from eternal suffering to eternal delight. Being with God forever and ever. Number 19, be ready for suffering. We're almost done. The last two, be ready for suffering. 2 Corinthians includes one of the longest Accounts of suffering in all of the Bible, you see a long CV of suffering that the Apostle Paul gives us. He writes in chapter 11 all kinds of things. He's been beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked three times, faced with 
Danger from rivers, danger from robbers, his own people, Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger even from false brothers. Now that's a whole lot of danger, isn't it? Sleepless nights, hunger, he's cold, he's anxious for the churches. Friend, I don't know how you're suffering right now. Maybe it's your work situation. You're trying to be a light at work. Praise God. One of your missions here is to be a light in the workplace. It's to, it's to show your faith at work. To be a good employee. To be a good supervisor. But maybe it's hard. Maybe school is hard. Maybe your health is horrible and you're suffering. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you need to get into a school. Maybe you need some type of medical care. Maybe you've overstayed your visa. You're wondering what's the way out. Maybe you've incurred debt. Maybe you're facing persecution for your faith from your family, from others. Maybe you're just sad. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Maybe you're trying to treasure Christ. Your hands are full. Maybe what's good is also what's hard. Parenting, marriage, singleness, friendships, conflict. Well, whatever you're suffering right now, it grieves my heart. I'm so Sorry. I wish I could snap my fingers right now. I wish I could pray over every single one of us right now, and I wish all of our pain would just melt away. But I can't, at least not today. In your weakness, remember Paul's words at the end of 2 Corinthians, because of God's grace, when I am weak, then I am strong. The truth is we're all weak. We all need God to break into our suffering and bring us healing. And he has, and he will. And that's the 20th point. That's where I want to end this morning. That's our 20th point. Be ready for the second coming. Be ready for the second coming. 2 Corinthians 4, as Jesus has risen, we will rise on that day. Along with the Apostle Paul in chapter 4, we can say, we do not lose heart, Redeemer Church. Whatever you're going through, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then listen to this. This is Paul writing. I just listed some of his sufferings. And this is Paul. And listen to what he's calling his sufferings. Verse 17. But this light, this momentary affliction, Listen to what it's doing. Just put yourself in these verses. Think about your suffering. Paul's saying it's light. Paul's saying it's momentary. And he's saying that your suffering, he's saying that our suffering is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So this is what we do now, verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. They are forever. Paul says in chapter 5, 
This earthly home is not our forever home. It's not our forever place, but our dwelling place is in heaven. We groan for a time only to celebrate for eternity. If you're wondering, if you're wondering if that day will come, well, 2 Peter 3 reminds us that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow in fulfilling his promises. Jesus will return. He will come. The Lord is not slow, but that day will come like a thief, and we must be ready. Jesus says in Mark chapter 3, be on guard, be alert, be ready, because we don't know when that day will come. Keep watch. Kids, tweens, and youth, are you ready for the second coming of Christ? He's coming. He's coming. Have you believed in God to save you? Church, is there any unfinished business you need to take care of? Redeemer Church, the Lord Jesus is coming back for his people. This is good news. This is great news. If you're saved, it's not as if you've been saved and you've been left to sail through this earthly life in solitude. You've been saved and Jesus will return and evil shall not prevail. My friends, it's fitting today that we begin a new year that we begin 2023 celebrating our first Lord's Supper of the year. This is a celebration. This is a celebration because there's a day coming so amazing that on that day, there will be no pain, no tears, not one. On that day, no strife, no division. On that day, no sadness, no unfinished to-do lists. On that day, no fear, no anxiety, no depression on that day there will be no sin i mean consider this not even just no sin but no temptation to sin free of all of that on that day there will be no death because death will die through the death of christ it's already ultimately dead and we'll see the fruition of that on that day on that day, we'll be gathered with all believers from all times and all people groups. On that day, we'll sing never-ending praise to our God, and none of us will be tone deaf, not even me. We'll all be the Christmas choir that we, that we sang along with on Christmas Eve. No auditions required. We will sing together as one beautiful choir forever and ever. On that day, we will receive a crown of glory greater than anything else this earth has to offer. On that day, we'll no longer be expatriates here on earth. But we will finally be home, our citizenship secured in heaven. And best of all, best of all, on that day, we will be face to face with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, with our triune God. We will be with our God. On that day, we will experience the fullness of joy. That's what the bread and that's what the cup symbolizes for us today. This is a spiritual meal. And the reason we celebrate, the reason we will celebrate on that day is because of what Christ suffered on another day, 2000 years ago. The bread, it signifies Christ's life. Christ really did come to earth. He really did live a perfect life. The cup symbolizing his death. He really did die on that cross, taking upon himself the sins of his people. 
That day 2,000 years ago will carry us through that next day when Jesus returns. If you're not yet a baptized follower of Christ, we encourage you to let the bread and let the cup pass you by when it comes. Take this time instead to reflect, to think about what you've heard. For those partaking, let's celebrate. No matter what comes our way in 2023, we know that Jesus is coming our way. He's coming on that day. No matter our troubles, help is on the way. Let's take a moment of silent reflection now to celebrate the heavenly feast of which this bread and cup are a tiny reflection of. Let's celebrate in silence now. As the musicians and servers come up to the front, let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for unifying us from far-off lands. Sinners bonded not by our passports, but by your blood, by Christ's blood. Oh, today we celebrate a taste of what eternity will be like. On that day, we'll sing and feast and praise you. Oh, Father, we thank you that that day is coming. We thank you that each and every morning when we wake up is one day nearer to when our Savior will come. Oh, Father, would that day come soon. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For what I received from the Lord, what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Redeemer Church, God did not create us for a private relationship with him. He created us to be a community in Christ. This is why it's our custom to hold on to both the bread and to the cup until all have been served and then to take them together as a symbol of our unity as part of the body of Christ. Please remain seated as the elements are passed out and as we sing our next song, after which I'll then lead us to partake in the elements.